Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Make no mistake about it. The gospel is good news of great joy for all. It's universal in its scope and promise. Jesus really has blotted out the sins of the whole world. But this message of God's universal love splits the human race in two. It divides us into believers in the promise or rejectors of the promise. And the division, as we well know, can run straight through families. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. In our previous study, we heard about the aftermath of Paul's preaching in Antioch. Many people begged to hear more the next Sabbath. Many stayed with the apostles and insisted on hearing more right then. And by the next Sabbath, the synagogue was packed with nearly the entire populace. This roused the jealousy of the Jewish leaders who began to contradict and revile Paul. Paul and Barnabas boldly declared that it was necessary that the gospel should first be preached to the Jews, but now that they had turned it down, they were turning to the Gentiles, just as the Lord had commanded them. And the Gentiles rejoiced, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And when the Jews stirred up the leaders of the city to drive Paul and Barnabas away, they just shook the dust off their feet as a witness against them. But those believers they left behind in Antioch were filled with the Spirit and with the Holy Spirit's joy. A reading from Acts, the 14th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Acts 14, verses 1 through 7. Let us pray. Lord God, bless your word wherever it is proclaimed. Make it a word of power and peace to convert those not yet your own and to confirm those who have come to saving faith. May your word pass from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip, 
and from the lip to the life. That is, you have promised your word may achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, you're ready to work through today's passage? Let's dig into it. Verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Iconium is the next stop on this first missionary journey. It lies a good 90 miles southwest of Antioch, so maybe, what, four days' worth of walking? They follow their pattern and again turn first to the synagogue. It is decidedly odd that Luke calls it the Jewish synagogue. The Lutheran Study Bible suggests that perhaps by this time, whole synagogues had gone over to Christianity, and so the modifier was needed. As we've seen before, the synagogues usually featured a mix of ethnic Jews and of proselyte Gentiles or Greeks, as well as some who would be only God-fearers, who came to hear and ponder the readings of the scriptures with the others, but had not yet publicly embraced the faith of Abraham. That's the way of the word. It draws people to itself as it's read, as it's pondered, as it's explicated. St. Luke says that they spoke in such a way that many became believers, both Jews and Greeks. That is, their clear explication of Jesus from the Word was the vehicle through which many were brought to believe the good news they were hearing. But their success in winning many for Christ immediately stirs up opposition here, as indeed it does everywhere. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. The Jews are called unbelieving, not because they were not devout in their Judaism, but because they rejected the gospel, which Paul and Barnabas laid before them. And here, as elsewhere, the Jews who reject the gospel will make common cause with the Gentiles in order to dissuade them from listening to the gospel. As Luke says, they poisoned their minds. This is exactly what St. Paul will later write about to the Thessalonians when he says of the Jews, 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 15 and 16, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. To stand in the way of the Gentiles hearing the gospel is no little sin. Verse 3. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The so at the beginning of this sentence almost doesn't make sense, right? So they stayed put. The calumny against them had kept spreading, And yet, despite the opposition growing, they were reaping a fruitful harvest for the Lord as more and more believed the gospel. And so, they were not about to move on just because people were speaking evil of them. Rather, they spoke the word all the more boldly, knowing that they were not peddling lies, but speaking God's truth. And God marvelously backed up the truth of their words by granting signs and wonders to be done at their hands. 
It was just as Jesus had promised in John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Chrysostom, bishop of Syrian Antioch in the 4th century, noted that the miracles were not continuous, as if they flowed at the apostles' will. Rather, they came at the Lord's bidding, who graces their bold preaching in the face of violence with astounding wonders. He writes, It was for this reason that for a long time they worked no miracles. Verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some cited with the Jews and some with the apostles. And this division is in all times and all places inevitable. Make no mistake about it. The gospel is good news of great joy for all. It's universal in its scope and promise. Jesus really has blotted out the sins of the whole world. But this message of God's universal love splits the human race in two. It divides us into believers in the promise or rejectors of the promise. And the division, as we well know, can run straight through families. Jesus himself had said it, Matthew 10, verses 34 to 36. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And as families can be divided, so can whole cities or regions. So in Iconium, some, hearing the word, seeing the miracles tumbling from the apostles' hands, believed and rejoiced in the good news. But many others turned from it in disbelief. And when the unbelievers grow frustrated over the ongoing success of the word in winning others, maybe some of their loved ones, to the faith, they resort to their usual tactic. If you can't prove him wrong on the basis of the Bible, well, you can threaten him with bodily harm. Verse 5. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, verse 6, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding country. Just like the shaking off of the dust from their feet is a dominical mandate, Jesus had said in the same way, Matthew 10, verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. So you see that the apostles didn't seek out martyrdom. They were ready to die for Jesus whenever he willed it. But they also knew that he had work for them to do in spreading his kingdom, and that if they could escape being put to death in order to continue sharing the gospel, they should do so. They wouldn't throw their lives away, but neither would they ever deny the Lord who had bought them at the price of his own blood. So realizing that a mob action was impending against them, and that even with the consent of the local government, they flee. They just keep moving on, this time to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia. Lystra is not quite 20 miles from Iconium, and Derby is about 30 miles beyond that. But wherever they land, they just continue to share the word. Verse 7. And there they continue to preach the gospel. Thus, St. Paul is practicing exactly what he would later exhort St. Timothy to do. Remember this? 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's the charge laid on the apostles themselves, and they lay it, in turn, on all ministers of the gospel. And thus we sing in the words of one of our great hymns, Preach you the word and plant it home, to men who like or like it not, the word that shall endure and stand when flowers and men shall be forgot, though some be snatched, and some be scorched, and some be choked and matted flat. The sower sows, his heart cries out, oh, what of that? And what of that? And that's where we'll break for today. Next up, we'll hear about what happens when Paul and Barnabas arrive in Lystra. The miracles continue. As Paul speaking, he notices a man, crippled from birth, listening to him and listening attentively. Paul, seeing he has faith, orders him up on his feet. And to the astonishment of the town, he gets up. Immediately, the townspeople in their own language begin to shout that the gods have come down to them in the likeness of men. Close, right? Very close, but off. No, Barnabas is not Zeus, and Paul, as the chief speaker, is not Hermes. Because the ruckus is going on for a while in their own tongue, it takes a bit for Paul and Barnabas to realize what these people are saying and thinking. Unlike wicked Herod's acceptance of divine honors, the apostles are horrified. They tear their clothes to show that they're just real men. They have flesh and blood, and they're barely able to put a stop to the sacrifice these people are prepared to offer to them, begging them to turn from these things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and who has given them good gifts and filled their hearts with food and with gladness. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.